Going to throw here to Parker at the 20, at the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He is almost. He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got it in! He got it in! He got it in! Oh, doctor! Well, howdy, howdy. Welcome back to the Red Ass Podcast. Uh, second one this season. We're uh, still excited to be here. We're rocking and rolling. I'm certainly happy to be up and moving on this rather slow and goofy Monday morning. But uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Rob White, class of 14. Uh, and my name is Roy May, class of 15. Yeah. And it's beautiful outside. Oh, I opened up the door this morning. It was 68 degrees. Absolutely phenomenal. AC wasn't running this morning. What a what a concept. Yeah, I uh you know, because I'm I'm the old man. So like I get up and I watch the weather. Um, like not like on TV, but I get up and I'll find uh, you know, KBTX wherever they put it on Twitter. You know, they do their little morning, like 90 second little forecast thing. Mm-hmm. And to see rain in the forecast and it not just be like a tease. So I'm excited for that because Lord knows we need some rain. Yeah, my uh, my yard has been uh, pretty much in a thirst for the last several months. And there's no question, I think, rain, it's so, rain's dude, needed. It's, it's so bad. Um, but, like, you know, I'm trying – when they ask for water conservation and all that, so I'm trying to, trying to do my part. And I finally got to the point. I was just like, you know what? I don't even know there's any point in watering it at all this, you know. Um, so my, my grass is – I don't know if I'm going to need to resod my entire yard at this point next year, but we shall see. Yeah, I'm definitely in my backyard. I think that's going to be the the, the main focus for resodding. I think um, that's the joys of being in a brand new neighborhood. You know, they go in and clear out the land, but they don't do a proper job of you know getting all the weeds out, and so it just it turns into a whole that's well, a ordeal. I was, I was telling Megan yesterday, like. The yard's gone to crap because, you know, I can't water it enough and I'm not going to water it every day. Like that's, that's nonsense considering, you know, how much drought level we're, we're experiencing in Texas. And then, you know, we have an issue like end up with out in our shed. We get freaking mice out in our shed mm-hmm. dealing with that. Then our AC tries to, tries to take a crap on us. So dealing with no AC in the summer get that remedied my plumbing goes out across the entire house and i told her yesterday i said i think my favorite favorite like part of being a homeowner is when i wasn't a homeowner (laughs) right it's it's like it's the old saying you know i guess all the warranties ran out yesterday you know it's time for everything to break so and i yeah i had a similar situation with my garage door uh for whatever reason it just we were having issues with running on the tracks they sent out somebody to come fix it he didn't fix it then I contacted him back and said, well, hey, there's still an issue here, but it had gone over warranty at that moment. I'm like, it's already been scheduled. Y'all didn't fix it the first time. <laughs> you know, it's like, let's just. And then, of course, it's like all of a sudden it's a convenience for me, you know, for them to come out and work on it for me. You know, like I'm going I'm having to. Oh, I'm sorry. You had to go out of your way to come help me when we, yeah. it was already on your schedule. Just That's what I was, yeah, I was telling you offline about like I, I brought a plumber out on a Sunday, so I don't even want to see that invoice yet. But I brought a plumber out on a Sunday and he tries to run the snake to fix it. He runs it out a hundred some odd feet, and, and you know, my depth to off of my property isn't that long. So he's way past you know my property line from from my washout. 
He goes, all right, well, it's got to be a problem with the city. Because this has happened once before since we lived here. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a problem with the city. We called the city. Um, they were incredibly responsive. Uh, they came right out. And uh, the dude checks everything out. And he comes back to the front door, knocks on the door. And whatever. he goes, okay, yeah, it's not on our end. I'm like, all right, well, whose end is it on? So now I got the plumbers coming back out today. And they're also going to be consulting with the city. So that's my Monday. And... Uh... Yeah, just the Mondayest of Mondays as it possibly could be for Aggies when across it, the board. No. <laughs> yeah, that think, was uh, that was a that was a brutal performance in Miami. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So nice little segue there. So Miami, half empty stadium, just not a lot of vibe in the building, and you come out and it's just felt especially flat in the second half, like you, you start off the game so strongly and things are looking really well. And, you know, you get spotted basically 14 points right out the gate and then you can't do anything with it. Like just everything falls apart. You know, what, what yeah. happened? Everything seems so positive in the beginning. And, um, you know, you can't rely on your special teams to either yours or theirs to, to basically produce points on a like regular basis, you know, almost to an extent when you look at special teams, you just hope they don't cost you points, um, right. which that, you know, that ended up occurring later in the game. It was flat performance. Um, you know, Miami threw the kitchen sink at us and we couldn't deal with it. Um, I thought Connor played great. He just, yeah. but you know, he's running around with his hair on fire most of the game too, though, with between all the pressures and the sacks and the blitzing. And it was just, you know, it was, it was a lot. And, and it's, and you can't sit there and say, well, he's young. That's it. That's not it. Just any quarterback dealing with that kind of pressure is, is going to have a pretty hard time. Um, yeah. So, but again, you know, big performance put in by Evan Stewart went out and put in a shift, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. I was, I was surprised that, well, you know, I don't even know why I'm surprised anymore, but <laughs> I was yeah. surprised that there weren't more um, adjustments in the second half on the offensive line. And I was, I was shocked that we got zero pressure on their quarterback. And we just let him sit back there and absolutely kill us. And and it's not for lack of talent. And so if it's not the talent, there's really only other two things it can be. It's the development of talent, which I I don't think is – I don't think we're turning five stars into three stars. It's play calling. That's kind of what it is. It's defensive play calling. And, mm-hmm. and I thought it was abysmally just weak. It was almost more the, you know, play, play not to lose, which – I don't know. I, I'm I'm not even going to get into talking about ULM this weekend because quite quite frankly, one, I have no idea what they're going to roll out, and uh, you know, and and two, like, there's no reason to have any expectations right now. No, I mean, you can expect that we'll beat the non-conference cupcakes in theory because I mean, we the first, you know week one we did show up and, and do what we were supposed to do, but um, you know, we we went out and got be like a drum on Saturday, so. Um, and, and you know, and it's not like we only put up ten points either. No, I think that's the the frustrating part for me is the fact that you scored thirty three points in this game, and in the modern game of football, anything over about thirty points, getting upwards of thirty five, if you do well enough on the defensive side of the ball, that's more than enough to win most games. Well, and, and what when what killed me too was, you know, uh, just the point swings. Um, you know, you, you fall start down there going forward on fourth and short. So you basically turn seven into three. So there's four points you gave up yeah. at the end of the half, you miss a field goal. So there's no, so now we're at seven that we've given up. 
giving up the kickoff returns, another seven. So now you're at 14. And then you have another drive uh, stall out, like inside the five. Um, Evan Stewart just he made a bad cut and didn't go upfield, um, you know, to, to secure what would have been a first down. And you can't necessarily count that as a four point swing. But if you do, like now we're, you know, we're well over what the game ended at as far as margin of victory. Yeah. So it there's just, there's a lot to do. And quite frankly, I'm glad that I'm not going to be on the practice field and in, in film room this week because that's not going to be a very pleasant experience. And it shouldn't be. No, it but, shouldn't be. And, you know, give full credit to Miami. I mean, looking at, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, he went out there and just had a monster performance. I mean, you put up almost 400 yards passing and you're averaging – you know, 12 and a half yards per and then five touchdown passes, no picks. I mean, that's a winning performance. Yeah, this this is in no way to disparage what Miami did. Uh, we didn't yeah. give we didn't give the game away. They just went out and beat us. It's just flat out. They went out and played a, a really good game. Um if I had to point to one thing that kind of makes me want to barf, um, it was he had it was like 240, 241 yards after the catch. 241 yeah. yak. No, that like that, that just can't happen. That no. Period. I don't care what team you are. So the secondary film room, I'm sure, is going to be a real hoot this week for those guys. Um, but I also hope that as a coaching staff, they're also sitting in film room. And I mean, obviously, you know, let's hope they learn from their mistakes or, you know, th those are grown men on salary. I hope they're getting yelled at. Like, I hope they're getting absolutely trashed in film room. You're a grown man. You're on salary. This is a, pre this, you know, this is a profession. You know, volunteering. You know, you're, you're not... You know, donating some of your time on a Saturday afternoon, although our defense kind of looked like our defensive coordinator just decided to donate his time for three and a half hours on Saturday. All right. So All right. it's, you know, we'll see. Because right now, next week, ULM isn't going to tell us anything. So then you have to look, you know, then you just start looking down the schedule. you got Auburn or Arkansas. Got to yeah. win them. Got to win yep. them. Yep, I'm right there with you. I think uh, going forward uh, for to get any confidence back, um, in this coaching staff, in particular with our head coaches as well as defense. I think the main thing we're going to need to see is some really solid effort in Auburn and Arkansas, in particular for me, adjustments after halftime. That was one thing that we saw happen consistently under Mike Elko. If we had a, if we had a rough first half defensively, we made the adjustments. I mean, we saw it every single game in 2020. Maybe not all the adjustments, but we sure looked like we had tried to make the adjustments. Yeah. This it, is, we yeah. just rinse, 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 wash, and repeat after halftime. That's that's yeah. what we did. Yeah, it, it looks very much like we've just gone down the road and just kicked the can. Like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be what it's going to be. No. You have to make adjustments. You have to grow. You have to understand the changing of game flow, which has been – a struggle uh not only yes offensively and defensively um it's just there's a lot that the coaching staff for whatever reason they don't like to make those type of adjustments and you know especially last year and it's starting to creep its ugly head in this year and we all know how things went last year we don't want that yeah it'll be interesting to see well it should be auburn at home though because it's auburn and alabama they're always both home or both away so it should yeah. be auburn at home yeah they're at home yeah so that, that'll be – hey, we got that going for us at least, you know, next couple of games. You know, we're back at Kyle. Take, you know, take care of business against ULM get, like you're get supposed some momentum, to. Get some momentum going and then, you know, go to AT&T, which has turned into a weird game the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, yeah. But, you know, and, and of course, you know, we we still don't have any conference losses, you know. 
Right. So I mean, it's, it's still all in front of you in, in a West that all of a sudden looks incredibly gettable. Like, yeah, I think everybody kind of knew that it was going to be down a little bit, but I don't think we, I don't think anybody saw what, um, you know, what Bama was going to do and go out and lay an egg. And, um, yeah. and I mean, LSU, I think is, is still up in the air because I, I actually, I didn't even see the LSU score from last weekend, but I do know that losing to Florida state isn't exactly like the worst thing in the world. I mean, they can't, I mean, yeah. don't get wrong. Like they got thumped in the second half of that game, but that still doesn't necessarily mean that LSU is bad or down like Florida. I think Florida state's really, really good this year. Yeah, no, uh, uh, LSU, I mean, they started off a little slow. Uh, they were down like uh, – well, they were up 14-10, I think, at the end of the first quarter against Grambling, but then they really turned it up. That's they right, up, they played Grambling. That's they, right. They beat them 72-10, to 10, so they, yeah, def, so they, yeah. they turned it up. They did their job. Did what they were supposed to do. Yep. So, and, I mean, I, I think right now you just look at the class of the West as LSU. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I don't care how bad they got thumped by Florida state. I, I mean, I think Florida state's a legitimate team. Now the question is, is Texas a legitimate team? Because if so, then maybe, you know, Alabama losing to Texas isn't that big of a deal. You know, maybe no. they're not as down as we'd like them to be. Well, and you know, Ole Miss, obviously, yeah, they looked, they played a tough uh, opponent in Tulane. Um, he was also ranked and mm-hmm. it was a tough ranked matchup that Ole Miss pulls out Uh senior loaded Mississippi state has looked very good. Uh, through the first couple of games. Uh, they're one of only two teams, I think they said, across the SEC that has a Power 5 win uh, to start off the year, which is kind of a weird little go with the way the conference has played. But, you know, the West is extremely open, and all we have to do is make our adjustments with the talent that we know we have and go out there and do the damn thing. <laughs> so we just got so to make the adjustments? I mean, we have to make so we're screwed. Yeah, so and we are. Screwed, that's fine. Uh, uh, this old DJ Durkin. I mean, Jerkin, since there's no D involved anyway, we're not going to go into that too deep. Well, there was some reprieve for at least part of the AM, uh, you know, football fan base, though, uh, on Sunday. Uh, if, if you're an Aggie and you're a Texan, then it was kind of unfortunately business as usual. But if you're an Aggie and you're a Cowboy, yeah. That was, no- uh, that was quite a performance by the Cowboys. Um, and and again, that's one of those things where I know the Giants they made the playoffs last year, and that was the first time in a long time for them. Um, so I don't know if they took a step backwards uh, or, I mean, the Cowboys played kind of a flawless game. I just, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't watch much of it last night. Um, I was watching something else on TV and the game started, and then I got an alert about the, <clears throat> the field goal getting blocked for a touchdown and then basically not, I, I don't know if it was immediately after, but they had a pick six. And my first thought was, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm going to keep watching what I'm enjoying on TV right now. No so I, watch, I, I maybe watched like three minutes of the Cowboys game, which is very unlike me. But I think I was also a little football exhausted. Yeah, and I don't necessarily blame you there. I mean, there were some damn good games yesterday, some really tight games, as well as some stinkers. I mean, you know, my Steelers did not do anything at all at home against – uh, you know, a good 49ers team, but you know, well, Brown, other, Browns came out and smashed on the Bengals. You know? Yeah. I mean, I saw some interesting scores, but I was also, uh, I also had an open house yesterday from noon to three. So by the time I got home, like the entire yeah. first round of games is over and I wasn't in the mood to watch the second round. Cause I've generally, I mean, I had the bears game on, mm-hmm. um, but I really wasn't paying attention to it. Uh, yeah, Although, fact, man, for what I did see, the Bears might want to go out and possibly buy an offensive line because it didn't look like they had much of one. Yeah, Packers definitely turned it up the second half, won that game pretty pretty handily. But, yeah, no, you, you know, Cowboys come out and pretty much, 
you know, hair on fire. You score 16 in the first quarter. I mean, yeah. And well, and, and, and over, and, you know, in the NFL, you don't, you know, you don't see blowouts as often. So, you know, when you see something like a 40 to nothing score, that's not a fluke and that's not a non-conference cupcake. That's another NFL team. And on top of that, it's an NFC East team. And so there's always a little bit more hatred, you know, when, when they play each other. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look at the highlights, but quite frankly, 40 to nothing in the NFL is quite a feat. It is a feat, and it's not as you said. It's a it's a rare, rare instance. So it's cool to see that happen, especially mm-hmm. if you happen to be a Cowboys fan. Obviously, me personally, not so much. But hey, you know what? That's okay. Hey, it's well, good it's just, for the fan base. It, it, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's just surprising to see in the NFL. And so you know, maybe there's something there. But again, that's week one. Um, but at the same time, it was forty to nothing in week one. It wasn't week sixteen where somebody's trying to get a good draft spot. You mm-hmm. know, and and. And you know, testing out newer players. That's you know, obviously everybody's got some got some players dinged up, but that's the best roster that the Giants are pretty much going to roll out on the field this year, barring mm-hmm. maybe a couple people they're missing. But only one I saw big time that that looked like he didn't make the it was in question of making the game was their tight end. Um, yeah, and he ended up playing. So yeah, certainly. Made uh, for I, will, I will be dropping their kicker though because he he got me negative five points. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I mean. <laughs> He took if I had not started a kicker, I would have had five more points, like literally leaving the spot vacant. And and let me touch back on something. And and I hate to see it because he's had such a tough road. But what did I say about J.K. Dobbins? He's an unbelievable talent. And he's he's one of those players whose career has just been injury bit, man. Mm-hmm. It's awful because I heard that uh, I was on my way home and I heard that on the radio, um, you know, because we get the Texans broadcast you know, on the radio. So mm-hmm. I was driving home and I and I heard him talking about, you know, he had to have two trainers help him off the field. And, and like, it's just, it's so terrible, man. Yeah. I mean, torn Achilles, that's never a good deal. And Oh, speaking of injuries, though, I did see a tweet that kid from Miami looks like he's going to make a, you know, looks like he's going to be fine. The one that they good. had to cart off. And good. there's a picture of him in the hospital surrounded uh, by, by family, you know, mom and dad on either side. So he was, you know, they had the, hospital bed propped up and you know they were given the u hand sign so that's always that's always a good thing because at the end of the day these are people and these are kids and yeah that was that was tough to watch and as as soon as he went down i saw him you know basically clench his hand once and i was like woof he's he's at least stone cold out but that's enough football talk for me I'm fair enough. I'm ready for the Premier League to come back next weekend. Yeah, I'm, you know what? Me too. This international break this week. I mean, I was definitely chomping at the bit for something additional positive because I mean, the U.S. was going to do what they were going to do, so I wasn't really worried about that. I'm definitely feeling good on Premier League right now. The league's well, fun right now. It's weird because I and we're only you know we're only a handful of weekends into the Premier League season, and I woke up Saturday morning and I was like, man, I got nothing to do. Yeah, because again, like that's that's the best thing about being like a football, like both football fans, because you wake up and and unless you're like getting up at four in the morning. Yeah, you wake up and Premier League is on. You can watch Premier League all the way until the first, you know, college football games kick off. So you -hmm. you want to talk about a full day. Mm -hmm. You can literally get a full day of all of the football that you could want. Um, So Saturday, Saturdays are so great. No, yeah. yeah, especially when you're Premier League fan. Yeah, like I mean, I live in this alternate reality right now where the cowboys look like world beaters a&m football is stumbling a little bit and west ham is good so i i i really don't like 
Nobody pinch me. I'll stick with it. I will say right now, uh, yeah, just looking at the Premier League standings through four games, you know, granted four games played at this point, that's it. But, I mean, your top teams behind City, you know, is in the points right now are Tottenham, Liverpool, West Ham, and Arsenal. Yeah, two two of those five, Tottenham and West Ham, sold their biggest player. Yeah. So, yeah, we've actually – we've reinvested the money really well on our yeah. signings. Um, so, it, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'll, I'll, I'll ride the wave as long as it lasts um, because as a West Ham fan, I'm expecting a downturn. But as mm-hmm. an A&M football fan, I'm expecting an upturn, knowing how Jimbo's teams do get better as the season progresses. Sure. And I like to think that things are going to turn around and get better on that front as well. But, yeah, Premier League this year, um, I, you know, obviously – I'm excited too. I mean, even being a Liverpool guy, you know, we lost Hendo to the Saudi leagues as well as a handful of other players who felt the need to go do that. But you know that that whole situation. <laughs> so we we actually had uh, one of our players, Aguerd, uh, Nayef Aguerd. He uh, apparently he was approached by multiple Saudi teams, mm-hmm. and he told he and he told them both. He's like, no, I'm not going. He's like, I love West Ham. I'm not leaving. So that was that's like a breath of fresh air because yeah, you know, obviously they offered him more money than he's making now. The Saudis can offer whatever they want; they can literally just write blank checks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, you know, I'll, I'll I'll take the I'll take the Premier League success as long as it'll roll, and even when we stink, it's not like I'm going to stop watching. <laughs> so exactly, I mean, these these are my teams. These, you know, I'm I'm a Liverpool guy. I'm going to keep pulling it's, for them. You know, speaking of guys y'all lost, I mentioned this in our little group tweet message thing but seeing seeing milner and anything other than a liverpool kit will it's always going to be weird to me it is i know because it was <laughs> i i had for i had forgotten he went to brighton until i was watching a match and they're like james milner and i looked up i was like holy crap it's the same guy it's actually him just not wearing red it's weird <laughs> yeah it just it looks weird man but i i think it's shaping up for a, like a wildly entertaining season just across the board in premier league i i think so many of the transfer moves, like literally across the entire table, um, I, I think it's going to make it interesting. There's a lot of new names. It's, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by Newcastle not being able to buy victories this early in the season. Yeah, because the fun. second half of the season, that's what they did. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, and I, I didn't think that experiment would work. Uh, you know, making those many changes in the middle of the season, but clearly it did. You know, um, yeah. and and not that Newcastle is going to be down forever, but um, I'm surprised at their lack of success given the roster that they bought. Yeah. I will say th- things that I am happy to see in the Premier League right now. I love the fact that uh, Everton is struggling so hard as a Liverpool guy because that's just something that we – Well, yeah. It, there's a lot of beef there. Well, so it's, well, from that extent, then you've enjoyed the last however many seasons because Everton's been – flirting with relegation more so than we have, I think, the last three seasons. No, no, quite. The, literally came down to the last game last year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another team that is an old Liverpool rival from the 70s and the 80s uh, that has reintroduced themselves to the Premier League, that being Nottingham Forest. It's so good to see them sticking around. Because yeah. I was a little worried that they were going to that they were going to bounce back down. Well, and you're always – at the beginning of the season – you always say, hey, you know, what are your predictions for who's going to win the league? You know, do your uh, do your ECL, your Europa, and who's going to go down? And generally, it's always the easiest to pick the three that just came up, right? Always. Because, because more often than not, you're going to be right. You're probably going to hit on two, two or three. 
Like I would be shocked if Luton Town stays up. Yeah. Like absolutely shocked. Burnley. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, I, I can't imagine being a fan of clubs like that. You're like up at the Premier League for a year and two year or two. Then you're down for a couple of years. Then you're up and then you're down. Mm-hmm. Like I've that'd, well, be too, that'd be too much for me, man. Uh, who's oh god, there's there's one team, and I feel like they fit that bill more so than every other team. Uh, every year, and I'm well, they're they're out of it this year. Uh, like I think I, I think I, I think it's somebody that went. To, well, I mean, Bournemouth is one that goes up and down. Right, Nor- Norwich City. Norwich, yeah, Norwich is always that team. Like they're up, down, up, down, up, down every yeah, they, they single never, year. Well, it's because when they come up, they never last. Like I, I yeah, I just Norwich doesn't stick around the Premier League for like eight or nine years at a time. You know. Yeah. I mean, it would be like, yeah, we'll, we'll use a good example. Like, well, it's like the University of Houston. If they got promoted to the Big 12 and then got sent back down and it just kept happening like that. You know, yeah, it's Grant, like a, a right on the cusp team. Yeah, it's like they're just not quite getting enough Never. sustainability to maintain Premier League status. And that's Can't rough. quite figure it out. Yeah. Well, can't quite figure it out how to sustain the success. Yeah. You know, so and really, I mean, as far as predicting the league, I mean, I I think it's easiest just to predict everything starting with second because I mean, till till proven otherwise, City's winning the league. It's always City, man. I feel like it's just consistently like, City, man. I, I don't. I may be. I may be in the minority here, but I I love Pep Guardiola. I actually love Pep. I think. I think- he's a- He's a phenomenal manager. He's a he's a well, great manager. I've always been a big fan of him from a personality standpoint, and his style is phenomenal. Obviously, the biggest issue amongst uh yeah most of the fandom, including myself, is obviously ownership because they can literally just buy whoever they want. Well, and and that's, and that's the one question I think that exists in his resume. It's like the yeah. the one blank spot is can he do it with a club without like just an absolute loaded arsenal of championship players. Like take him not, not out. Championship, but yeah. <laughs> take him out and drop him off at Fulham. Go, drop him off at West Ham. Go drop him off at West Ham. Let's see what happens. Yeah. See yeah. if he can sustain that success. But either way, I mean he cemented himself, you know, as one of the probably one of the greatest of all times with the you know the the hardware that he's racking up. No question, you know he he would he falls in line with the Sir Michaels, Fergusons, and all those, you know, all, all the great names. I mean, there are so many great names. You win that much ten, like that's just how it goes. Nobody, nobody's, and that's the thing. I don't think because because the the sport has changed so much with how much money is involved in it. You know, talking about the record amount of money spent on transfers this past year, um, about ninety percent of that was Chelsea, but. Um, <laughs> Man, how they cook those books over there, I'll never know. Um, never know. But but because he's in the era that he's in, I don't think that that will ne- necessarily ever tarnish his legacy as one of the greatest managers. Like, man, he always had great players. Well, he's still got to win, I guess. Well, you, you know, always and, have to win. And, yeah. And, ha- and having the best players and, you know, and winning the Premier League is – there's something to be said for that. Having the best players and going out and winning trebles, like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, it's, it's the trebles is where he really sets himself apart despite I, – I, even with the players he has. Yeah. Well, it's good to see that, you know, at least for him, obviously city as a team, you know, Liverpool, it's, it's been, it's been a back and forth deal there. Uh, but the fact that they finally got over the hump for champions league, cause that had always been the, you know, the, the day. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that was a dangling carrot, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, you can win Premier League all day. Sure, go go win an FA Cup. Yeah, yeah go, go take a Carabao Cup. Whatever. Yeah, now go do something in Europe. Yeah, go do something in Europe, which is always at and least for, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, for like English teams, that's always been Liverpool's realm. Like you know, six you know six league you know for six champion leagues uh, titles, which is more so than the rest of. England combined, and now the only other team really past you on that lineup, of course, is Real Madrid because Lord knows <laughs> their history. Well, yeah, but if but if City sticks around long enough, you know that could be that could be threatened. It could if, be if City keeps it intact and they keep Pep. I mean, there's just no there's no reason to think that he's not going to continue to have success. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not going to be Liverpool this year. You know, we're. They're, just, their bench players wouldn't get relegated if you if you like if you took an entire club and literally f- filled it with nothing but City's bench. I bet you they could stay up. I think you're right. That's, In fact, I bet they'd be mid table. They very well could be. Um, which is why it's frustrating knowing how much money they spend. We're all around here, you know, sucking wind trying trying to make things work, and City mm-hmm. just has the embarrassment of riches. But whatever. That's hey, but that's the sport now. So you either get owners that'll support and pump money money into the club or. Mm-hmm. Or you go down pretty much, or you or you're just fine with being between twelfth and fifteenth for the remainder of your you know your club's history, pretty much. I hate yeah. having to I hate to use this term, but it's pay to play, man. Yeah, well, you, if you want to stay up, you gotta throw money into your club. That's just well the and, deal. and the the one thing that I will say that that I think is I don't know if it's good or not, um just because I well athlete salaries are completely out of control, but yeah. You know, you can turn right around and say, yeah, but what the ownership's getting, you know, it's only fair, which, again, maybe it's just the amount of money, period, involved mm-hmm. is completely ridiculous. Yeah. But the Saudis, uh, you know, in the dumping all the Saudi leagues, dumping all this money at, at Premier League players, I think has made clubs, it, it heightened their awareness. And they're like, OK, we're actually going to have to come after these players. Um, you know, unfortunately, you still have the English tax, you know, on some players. Um you know, is Declan Rice worth $11 billion? I don't know, but that's what we got for him, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so it's it set a bar, though, that, that I think is going to make some of these clubs that do have true, you know, and they're, they're like mid-table clubs generally. Uh, and West Ham's one of them. Yeah. You know, we used to finish 10 to 12, 15th. You know, it's kind of just how we roll. Every once in a while, we'll jump up to a seven, you know, seventh place finish. But we understand that, that you like, you can't just, kind of scrape by and, and budget players and put together a club that's going to stay up. Like you're going to have to spend the money. You're going to have to go get the players. And if you really want to succeed, you're going to have to go get the right players and the yeah. right players generally cost more money. Like, you know, a Vlad- Vladimir Sufal with that we got for pennies, you know, pennies on the dollar, you know, is the exception, you know, Craig Dawson, who we lost to wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he like the world's greatest defensive? No, no, but we got him for 2 million. And so in the shifts he put in and his performance, but those players are hard to find. And, and, and so you've got to go out and spend the money. And, and West Ham did, you know, we got the Declan Rice uh, sail across the line. Then we didn't do anything. And, yeah. you know, and we were all about to just burn the whole club down. And then all of a sudden they just reel off a handful of signings. And now that they've been with the club long enough and can play, uh, you know, I think as a, as a fan base, I love seeing James Ward-Prowse and Claret and Blue, man. That, that dude's <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. I, I love watching him play. So, yeah. And so far, the results on the results on the pitch have, have you know, have proven that the strategy was right. Yeah. And, and I think the owners realize that as TV revenue and all the all the money outside of of 
you know, uh, you all all the outside, not just the money coming from selling players, yeah. you know, and the balance sheet from selling and buying players, but as the revenue ten, ten, uh, as the revenue tends to in, like increase continuously, like yeah. I, you know, they know they've got more money, but they know that they've got to spend more money to make that more money, yeah. and so I, it makes for some really competitive and fun football. It does, and it's going to be a very fun season. I'm very much looking forward to really diving in. And oh, it lasts all year, baby. Yeah, it's that's a, it, we're going to be going till May with this stuff. Hell, for, for, you know, Champions League for June, man. It's still going to be cruising yep. along. I'm excited. Uh, speaking of leagues that are starting to wrap up, though, uh, looking at uh, MLB right now, and we're kind of coming down to the wire here, especially in the AL West. Yeah, you it, know, it's. Man, it's anybody's game, I suppose. It's anybody's game currently, if, you know. <laughs> if, if if I had to, you know, if I had my way, I would take our roster. I would take the Stros roster over Seattle and Texas. Um, Texas is again until they, and it's a little late to do a whole lot of shoring up of a bullpen. But boy, mm-hmm. that reared its ugly head late in the season, and that is you'd rather have that rear its ugly head and you know. March, April. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact fact is they started off is you know, the Rangers started off so hot. I mean, the oh, hair on looked, fire. Hair on fire. Offense looked incredible. Bullpen was still a little sus, but you still had phenomenal it starting. It was good enough. Your but it was good, was good enough. enough. Yeah. And you were putting up stupid numbers, especially in run differential, just beating Video the game. dog out of people. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of ran out of steam down the stretch here. And it all came to a head, you know, this past week, you know, when the Astros made it in what was, in everybody's opinion, the series of the year. And the Astros dodged you on three games. Like it's it's unfortunate for the Rangers because yeah, you know, me, I'm yeah, I'm an Astros fan, obviously, and yeah, you know, I'm gonna pump up the Astros any chance I can. But it's good to see the Rangers at least competing and being in the fight. See, as an Astros fan, it's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Like you you love the fact that you can be like, well, there's the Rangers, you know, because they sucked for so long. But right. you know, as a Stros fan, we remember those. What we have three hundred plus lost seasons in a row, so like we get it. We've we've been down in the dumps as well. Yeah, um, yeah. We just bounce back first, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But to, but so you know, it's fun to be able to dog your buddies about their you know inept baseball team. But it's it's great for baseball as yeah. far as like the AL West when when pennant races are hotly contested throughout the entire year. And this yeah. one has been. I, I feel like the world of baseball has probably kept their eye on this one a little bit more than they normally would care about the AL West. Mm-hmm. because it's been bouncing back and forth. And then this surge that the Mariners have gone on to put themselves somewhere in contention. But the firepower that the Strohs have literally between what they roll out and, and also just still sitting in the dugout, um, obviously the starting pitching, bringing JV back. Yeah. The, the dude just pitches different here. And not to mention, you know, I'd say when you get run support, but we generally don't like to give him run support. But, no. Um, but you know you're adding him to to what I thought was already a very strong pitching staff. Um, the yeah. bullpen uh, I think is is better than than Texas bullpen uh, right now. Obviously, um, yeah. This is the fun part of baseball is when you've got a tight race head, you know heading down the stretch because we're you know almost midway through September. Yeah, and it's been definitely a tight race. I mean, Astros yeah. currently at this point have opened up for their biggest lead. Uh, two and a half games. Yeah, we are two and a half over the Mariners, three over the Rangers, and uh, looking at uh, the wild card 
for our for our uh, you know mates over here. Uh, Mariners are at the cutoff line right now. Rangers are half a game back. So, you know, you've got obviously the East who's just for whatever reason, just the AL East is just so dominant every year. And, you know, you got the Rays who are currently in second place, but they're like eight and a half games up in the wild card. They're so far ahead. Yeah. Their league is so good. And, I mean, all thought process, I'm looking at the Orioles, man. I love seeing the Orioles good again. So me too. Up, growing up, I you know I wasn't an Orioles fan, but man, I was a Cal Ripken Jr. fan, and so yeah. it's easy to root for the Orioles and to see them down for so long. Um, like I, I love that the Orioles are playing well. Not to mention they have an absolute elite you know logo, the old the old Oriole. Like it's just it just reminds you of old baseball, you know, the or- with, Orioles with are the white cap, you know, the white cap helmets too. And mm-hmm. the one thing I'll say about baseball, and then we can move on. Yeah. And I think this is probably this this is a horse that I'm just going to continually to to beat. I, like I'm last in line. Everybody's probably going to beat this dead horse. For the love of crap, can we get Shohei Otani and Mike Trout out of Anaheim? Please, just wasting their careers. Please, you, you're two generational talents. I, I I know that's such a common term that people love to use, but truly, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout being wasted in Anaheim, well, truly Trout, wasted. So here's the thing, Mike Trout. You can say he's a generational talent because um, he is. He'll, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Shohei Otani is literally a generational talent. Show me another guy out there throwing as many strikeouts and hitting as many bombs. Yeah. Like he's just he's different, and he's on, getting on a losing team. Anaheim. And he's getting wasted uh, in Anaheim. Yeah. He's literally he, trying to win the game by himself because he literally, like in theory, he really could by both pitching and hitting. If you just would put the other eight guys out in the field and be like, look, just don't get caught on camera picking your nose or something, man. Just, you know, look yeah. cool. Well, and I always chuckle. Tell her to they, be cool. Tell her to be cool. Tell her to be cool. <laughs> they always show the graphics, right? Where Or the the, the made-up term where it's like, you know, you know, Shoei goes three for five, pitches whatever, Trout does this, and they still lose the game by a couple of runs because you can't win with two players, man. No, it, well, and and that and that they're the perfect example. They're the perfect example that even if you have two of the best players currently in the game, it really, it truly is a team sport. And when one of those players is literally playing two ways, yeah, and once every five days, you know, well, they finally shut him down from pitching though. But mm-hmm. yeah, oh, what's what going on? My, my dog is being very, very loud right now. I don't know <laughs> why. <laughs> come on, uh, come on, but yeah. But yeah, uh, so yeah, baseball. Fun, Premier League, fun, college football. Yeah, we'll see how it pans out for us. <laughs> Could be interesting. Yeah, that I'm just going to give that my stank face for now. Hey, yeah, that's and that's totally fair. Uh, so there was one other uh, topic but, I remember. Not writing off the season by any means. No. We're red ass on this podcast, and we support our yes. boys. Well, I'll always support them. Look, I'm, yeah. look, I heard they can go five and seven, and me still support them. That's the rumor. Um, hey, I mean, we did it last year. But, but uh, the, <laughs> next, the next time that that they're going to change my mind would be Auburn. It's not going to be ULM. No, I'm with you. I'm so. right there with you. Uh, so one other uh, topic I definitely wanted to touch on before we wrapped up. Um, so it's kind of been in the music community. We've we've had a handful of losses recently from a okay. few different. It's been people. insane. Yeah, uh, yeah. We lost Jimmy Buffett last week, which. Yeah, that was so unfortunate because Jimmy has been such a banner of 
good timey, good feel music. And I I can't I can't go to a beach and I can't go down to my parents' house without thinking about Jimmy because my parents, uh, for those of you who don't know, my parents uh, just bought and renovated and have a very nice house in Galveston now. And they have a pool set up, the whole deal. It's literally their own little Margaritaville. And I, I, must have, I must have missed my uh, must have missed my invite. It's been in the mail, son. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> you know it. Well, it friends Jimmy, don't have to ask. Well, J- Jimmy Buffett, and, and you talk about a guy that literally just spans all music. Like, yeah, it didn't matter. Like Jimmy Buffett was just kind of a really almost a world of his own. Yeah. Um, just as far as you know, your favorite kind of music can be this or this or this, but chances are you like Jimmy Buffett. Mm-hmm. Like chances are at one point in time or another, you've been at a beach or been at a bar, had a couple too many, it came on and you sang along with it, or you got up with your drunk friends and karaoke Margaritaville, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. But unfortunately, wasn't the only one. No, unfortunately not. Yeah, you know, we lost him. Um one one additional one I thought was really interesting, uh Steve Harwell for uh Folks in my generation, uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, lead singer for Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth, who's the key, one of the best bands of the '90s and you know early 2000s. I think came All out of Star. The blue. Yeah, All just Star. Like, yeah, it just came out of the blue, and yeah, it's one of those where we're getting older, but we're not super old. So musicians from our, you know, from kind of our genres or, or our time frames passing yeah. away, it just it's it seems really weird, you know. Yeah, yeah, we lost him. Um, we lost Dr. John not long ago as well. Um, we, it's just been uh, this, and this is the one for me. And this is a Texas country one, and it's very, very personable because brutal. his brutal because his music was so influential for so many people, and that's Charlie Robeson. We lost him yesterday at the age of fifty nine. Um, Carson was supposed to hit the road with him, uh, literally this past month, like the end of uh, the end of August. Uh, he was going because you know Charlie's not hadn't been playing a lot of shows because he hadn't been doing well, uh, yeah. and he was supposed to do some theater shows. Uh, it was going to be uh, the first show was in Lubbock, the second one was going to be in Dallas. It was going to be Carson, uh, Jack Ingram, and then yeah. Charlie up in up in Lubbock, and then it was going to be Carson. Um, Chris Knight and Charlie uh, over in Dallas. Man, Jack Ingram and Charlie on the same ticket. It's it's stoking some memories for me right there. Those yeah. two used to power my entire weekends listening mm-hmm. to music. And you know my you know my guy Carson, you know he was supposed to open those shows, and the Lubbock and Dallas shows both get canceled because pneumonia. He wasn't feeling good. It's you know sickness, and as it turns out, then it announced he cancels his Green Hall show that he had mm-hmm. coming up. And it was just kind of the snowball and effect of, you know, how sick is he? Well, I guess yeah. now we know. And uh, a very unfortunate deal. And I've I've seen so many people, um, you know, share in memories. Our buddy Adam Drake, uh, who's a phenomenal radio host. Um, he's been great. And so it's it's been cool to see um, the amount of love and support for Charlie. And he's only, only 59. That's so crazy. Yeah. Absolutely insane. So I want to say a quick, um, you know, quick little shout for his family, uh, bandmates, everybody, um, and as well as the music community for being so uh, very supportive of it's, what's going it, on there. Well, and the, really the Texas country kind of community, that, that really original kind of Texas country, the Pat Green kind of era, Pat mm-hmm. Green, Jack Ingram, um, you know, obviously Charlie. 
you know, you know, they were on the back end of what Robert O'Keefe really got cranking up. So it was kind of that genre of, of the Texas country sound. So, so I know all those guys are, they were, they ran kind of thick as thieves, you know, cause it was, that was when it, we were truly establishing, you know, departing from the Nashville and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, no, this is Texas country. This is not Nashville. Yeah. You know, so it was, and then, you know, back in the nineties, nineties and, you know, early two thousands. Yeah. You know, started getting reckless. And, you know, for, you know, from that, you know, the groundswell of reckless Wade Bowen, you know, mm-hmm. just the list goes on and on from really kind of what those guys brought to the table, you know, and, and, and there were obviously, you know, Robert O'Keefe been doing it for a long time. Lyle Lovett had been doing it for a long time, but yeah. we finally hit a point where I, I personally, and this is my opinion, I might be wrong, but because of the internet and because of the ability to, to more, more widely kind of advertise your sound and advertise your music, mm. you know, people were able to get their hands on it, you know, a little easier. And which means it was, it just spread like wildfire because it was great music. Yeah. When people talk about the modern uh, Texas country, red dirt, um, you know, Mount Rushmore, I think there's no question that Charlie Robeson's on that list. I so think, unique. I mean, he, yeah, he's so unique and he's up there. I would throw honestly, you know, cross Canadian ragweed in particular, Cody Canada, you know, he, yeah. and, and the fact that, you know, those two, and it was good to see Cody, you know, posting about it yesterday and he was very mm-hmm. open about it. And Cody, he, he's been a great influence for us as has Charlie. And, you know, Charlie for me is such a special one because he wrote songs from a very unique standpoint. And I think, yeah, I'm going to ask you this question. What, what's your favorite Charlie Robeson song that just comes to the top of your head? Uh, probably Lights, Eleven County. That was mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody loves my hometown. Um, sure, you know, classic. Like, you know, back in the days when you could wear a spot thin on a CD, I'm sure I did that to, you know, to, to my hometown. Um, yeah. Yeah, probably likes Eleven County. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I I loved I loved his lyrics, and I always whenever I like introduced him to somebody that never really listened to Texas country, I said, "Look, this is Charlie Robeson. He's not going to be the best vocalist you'll ever hear in your life, like, but he might be one of the best lyricists you've ever heard in your life." So, like, phenomenal enjoy, writer. Never had anybody tell me they didn't like it. No, it's just different the way he would you know kind of cross singing and talking, and but but his his lyrics were just top bin, man, top shelf. They were definitely top shelf. So uh, we as a band, uh, Carson Jeffrey, uh, we have decided, I think we're going to do a little tribute for him uh, this this weekend when we play out in Lubbock. Uh, Our plan is to cover my hometown uh, because it's a simple enough song for us to learn on the fly. Yeah. And it's well enough known that the crowd will sing along to it and enjoy it. And people will appreciate that. And of course, it it's not us trying to be like, oh yeah, Charlie. No, it's he was an influence, and Absolutely. one and, and one of my personal favorites. I mean, one of the first songs I ever learned for a Texas country set was "My Hometown," as well as El Cerrito plays. I you oh, know, yeah. I, I used to play with uh, this guy named Landon Evans for year, uh, well for several years back, and uh, we used to take El Cerrito plays and we would just go off on the end of it because we would turn it you know do um the free bird thing with it where we sped yeah. it up and just kept the chord structure but just started rocking and ripping going hard uh but yeah we do that on yeah. el cerrito place it was cool uh, yeah here, well here's one y'all could probably have a ton of fun with john o'reilly um or or, or bar light you know that those hey. seem like songs you could turn into some shred dirt oh but, no um, question but, but i loved his i loved his ballads um 
yeah. uh, Indian Indianola. Yeah. In fact, the last two tracks on uh, uh, was that Life of the Party. Mm-hmm. I don't know Indianola and uh, uh, Molly's Blues. Molly's Blues. See, beautiful I, songs. Great songs. Big. And, si- and what's hilarious is like the dramatic, like the you know these ballads he writes, and then you look yeah. at the lyrics and you're like, what a shithead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he's telling these hilarious stories. It's just dramatic music, and then you read the lyrics and you're like, oh, that's pretty hilarious. Nice. Well done. Well, yeah, you know, 04, you know, Big City Blues on Good Times is another phenomenal song. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same album that has New Year's Day, El Cerrito Place, which are two of his biggest. Char- Big City, Big Charlie's City albums, you didn't you didn't ever need to skip a track. Yeah, there's so many great songs on each of those records. And I remember when we left uh, to go out and play in Carlsbad uh, earlier this summer, which was you know kind of a special hometown show for me, and we were driving back to Texas, Right as we crossed over the border from New Mexico into Texas, Carson leaned over to me and said, I need you to play Loving County because we were about to be driving through Loving County. Yeah. So we did it. And uh, that was a that was a cool, cool moment uh, for us as a band. But yeah, Charlie is such a special influence and it, the world's should, a much darker place with him not in it. Yeah, y'all, y'all should definitely see if you can come up with a shred dirt version of John O'Reilly. That might that might blow the roof off of, of an event. I'll, I'll pitch. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, right. yeah, we, we love Charlie. Uh, rest in peace. Um, we'll definitely be playing a lot of his stuff this week. No question. Um, so uh, any plugs we got this week? Anything fun going on? Uh, no, actually, this is kind of a standard week. I don't, you know, this um, you know, by, by the time this comes out, you know, we'll obviously obviously be be past it. But, you know, today's 9-11. So you know, yep. special day of remembrance. Um, of this was actually the only thing really on my task list today i took the rest of the day off um so i'm gonna watch some documentaries and just kind of reflect and remember and reach out to some buddies so yep. um special but, day uh, yeah absolutely uh, yep. it's it's i can't believe it's, it's like i can't believe it's been 22 years 22 years uh, I, I i and i vividly remember i was just, i was in fourth grade watching it on one of the little roll-in tvs when the well, second tower got hit it's like uh i think i might have said this you know some seasons ago but um, you know, everybody, you know, as long as you're old enough to remember anything, you remember where you were. You know, yep. it's, it's, my dad said the same thing when he get, found out news um, that Kennedy was assassinated. Like he remembers where he was on campus and what he was doing yep. when he heard the news, you know, just big, big landmark kind of national changing events. You know, generally you remember it. And, um, you know, I just, so, you know, that's today. Um, mm-hmm. um but uh, other than that, like I, I don't have uh, anything to plug. Just my kind of my Sanders stuff. You know, R- ribs, real estate, and ramblings. On on Friday, we released one with Marka Ewer Shirtliff, who uh, if, if you don't know who she is, she's married to Hunter Shirtliff, and I call her the much much more important and better part of the power couple that the Shirtliffs <laughs> are. Um, but she's yeah, that she's an absolute hoot too. She's a city, uh, Bryan City Councilman. She's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's a farmer at heart. She's just so sweet. She's so hilarious. So we got to sit down. Um, and we, you know, I put that out on Friday. Um, yeah, but other than that, just, just plugging along, man. Same old, same old Bach Realty Group. You know, if you've got any real estate questions, uh, want to find out the value of your home, what equity you built in it. Um, or if you just have any questions about the market in general, I'm always, always happy to answer questions. And if I don't know the answer, I'm happy to find someone who does. Exactly. And, and I'll, and I'll say it beat the hell out of ULM. Beat the hell out of you, <laughs> uh, my, my plug this week, uh, if you look at my ball cap here, uh, uh, there is, it's Old Sarge. Old Sarge Golf. Playing golf, yeah. So the company is on Instagram. It's called Good Bull Golf. Good Bull, 
all mm-hmm. one word underscore golf on Instagram. Uh, they have a link to their website, which is also goodbullgolf.com. I'll be sure to link that whenever we post, but uh, be sure to check them out. Great guys that make great hats. Uh, they're also doing, I believe they're wanting to get into the polo game, but at least right now they're doing golf hats. That, this logo, one, is, that logo is elite. It's so yeah, good. If you can't quite see it, it's old Sarge swinging a golf club. Yeah. Take a look right yeah. here. No, that's that's elite. That's going to look great on a polo. Yeah, so I love this hat. It's phenomenal. Um, and yeah, I got it from them. They've got rope hats, they have non-rope hats, they've got trucker hats, they got a bunch of different styles. Uh, be sure to go check them out. Once again, that's goodbullgolf.com. If you have not jumped in on Shred Dirt, I've got shirts. Be sure to go check them out. Once again, those will be linked. <laughs> they will be places. Go check them out. I love them. Oh, I got a quick circle back. Um, we hosted a we hosted a watch party on Saturday. Bach Realty Group. Um, we partnered with. Uh, it, it was at Four Down Sports Bar. So first, thanks to Four Downs for letting us mm-hmm. like we we reserved the whole place. It was a private party. Awesome. Um, and then thanks to uh, Nathan Rich out of Fairway uh, Fairway Group BCS. Um, we partnered with them to to make the event possible. So you know, outside of the outcome of the game, the event went great. It, it was great to yeah reconnect with clients and um, you know just hang out hang out hang out with my with my peers and not have to sit around and talk real estate. You know, it's, it's nice to be able to enjoy their company outside of work. Absolutely. Well, guys, uh, if you don't already and uh, you need something to keep you going through the week, be sure to follow us on X and, and, or Twitter, uh, depending on the questions of who, you know, whatever you want to call it this week, it is what it is. Be sure to follow along with us. It's Roy May 15 and Rob the Slapper. Be sure to follow us both on there. And of course, at the Red Ass Podcast. If you have questions about upcoming topics that you want to get into, uh, you know, you, you want to just fire in your own stuff, we're more than happy to post about it as well as uh, share your questions. And we'll, we will definitely do that. Anything else you got? That's all I got, man. Have a great week. And uh, by the way, thank the Lord, get some rain. Yes, definitely looking forward to the rain. Beat the hell out of ULM. Let's get some rain. Gig them. Have a great week. Gig them.